بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا ما بعد اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والنية والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك اللهم افتح مسامع قلوبنا لذكرك we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to accept our coming here tonight and make this Salatul Isha that we prayed with Jama'ah heavy in our scales. May Allah accept the ibadah that was done last night, the fasting that was done today. And we ask Allah Azza wa Jal that He allows us to fully prepare for the upcoming month of Ramadan and allow us to enter in a state that we are prepared to receive it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make every one of us amongst those who take full benefit of this blessed month. Similarly, we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to allow this dars to become a means of removal of any doubts, removal of any wasawis, uh, make it a means of answering our questions. May Allah Azza wa Jal make this dars a means of strengthening our faith and our connection with the Quran and whatever issues we've come with to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or are listening online. May Allah Azza wa Jal through the barakah of studying the Quran allow those uh, issues of ours to be resolved. Ameen ya rabbal alameen. A'udhu billahi mishtar rajim, bismillah rahman rahim then after them we created another generation Qurun is a plural of Qarn and so previously Allah says Qarnan Akhirin and here says Qurunan because right now we're going to be speaking about many different nations so Allah brought it plural no community can go ahead of its appointed time nor do they become late Thereafter, we sent our messengers successively. Tatra, successively. Whenever its messenger came to a community, ummatan, the community, the messenger came to the community, they rejected him. This is what they all do. Every single time the Prophet comes, they reject him. Then we made some of them follow others in destruction. One after another, they kept on getting destroyed. Like you see, sheep jumping down the jumping off of the cliff one after another you may have seen examples of that so these nations would do the same thing the previous nation belied the prophet guess what we're gonna do the same thing the previous nation got destroyed guess what we're gonna get destroyed same silsila same thing people don't learn from their mistakes people don't learn from history and then we turn them into tales we turn them into tales ahadith stories Tales of history. So away, cursed be, and woe to the people who do not believe. So in this uh, verse here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning that every single nation has its appointed time. And no one will come, uh, no nation will be, will be destroyed before their time, and no nation will be allowed to continue to live after their time. It's mentioned regarding Imam Malik rahmatullahi alayhi that he saw a dream. Malik al Maut came to him and he said to Malik al Maut, How many years do I have left in my life? So Malik al Maut, the angel of death, in his dream, he lifted his hands and he made ishara here, like with this. He pointed, he gave him, he gave him the full hand right, with five fingers. So when he, Imam Malik woke up from this dream, he, he was wondering, Is he saying I have five years left? Five, you know, months left. Five days left. What does he mean? So he went to the uh, the famous scholar of interpretations of dreams, Ibn Asirin, rahmahullah, 
and he asked him, he said, I saw such and such dream at night. I saw that Malakul Maut, I'm asking him, how much do I have time on this earth? And he gives me, he shows me the hand that he's got. He showed me five, a full, a, full, a full hand opened up with five fingers. What is this referring to? So Ibn Sidi, he said to him that this dream, Malakul Maut is referring to you, referring you to the verse of the Quran. And what is that? It is Allah Azza wa Jalla says in 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 Allah عنده علم الساعة وينزل الغيث ويعلم ما في الأرحام وما تدري نفس ماذا تكسب غدا وما تدري نفس بأي أرض تموت إن الله عليم خبير. In this last verse of Surah Luqman, Allah Azza wa Jalla Allah Azza wa Jalla says in, in, that indeed Allah alone has the knowledge of the unseen. He knows the unseen. No one else besides Him. He knows about the coming of the hour. When exactly is the day of judgment coming? Allah knows. They come to you, they say, Ya Rasulullah, when is the day of judgment coming? Tell them the knowledge of the hour and when it's going to strike is with Allah. He will not expose it, he will not unveil it except for at its appointed time. Then, Allah is the only one who sends down rain. وَيَعْلَمُ مَا فِي الْأَرْحَامِ Allah is the only one who knows what's inside the womb. وَمَا تَدْرِي نَفْسٌ مَاذَا تَكْسِبُ غَدًا No one knows what they're going to do tomorrow. You think you know, but what will actually happen is different. Sometimes it'll be same, sometimes it'll be different. وَمَا تَدْرِي نَفْسٌ بِأَيِّ أَرْضٍ تَمُوتُ And no one will know where they are going to die. So these five things are in the, with the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. So he's making ishara when he gave you the five, when he made this open up the palm, he's referring to this, that why are you asking me? I don't have the knowledge. The one who's being asked does not know more than the one who's asking. We both don't know. Uh, someone may say, wonder, but nowadays we have the scans and we have all sorts of different te- uh, medical technology to know whether it's a boy or a girl, etc. So this thought may come to you. So now, when, when Allah Azza wa says, Allah knows what's in the womb. What does exactly mean what is in the womb? First of all, not every single time what you see in the scans is right. There's been many instances personally I've known that you know, things, different things happen. But let's just say that's that. There's many ways to answer this question. The fact that what's in the womb does not simply mean male or female. What's in the womb, the biggest thing, really how much you know, male and female is not that big of an issue. The big issue is whether what's, what's going to come into this world is going to be a source of happiness or a headache for me. That's a big question. That's a million dollar. If you have a son that is a, that is a headache, who would not want to replace it with a daughter who's a mercy and a source of happiness? Any day, you would give your ten sons for one daughter that gives you peace, for ten sons that give you a headache. And similarly, the flip side of it, if you have a daughter that gives you a headache, ten beautiful daughters that give you a headache, you say, well, I'll take all ten, give me one son that is obedient. So what exactly is that child going to be obedient or disobedient? Disbeliever or believer? Pious or unpious, virtuous or sinful, shaqi or sa'id, lucky and, and have a good future, or wretched and have a bad ending. Allah knows best. Healthy or sick, not just when they're born, but for the long life. Wealthy or poor, throughout their life, what's going to happen? All of these things, who knows? No one knows this besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's the real answer. Another answer ulama have given is that, that whatever tools a person uses to uncover what's inside the womb, where do those tools come from? 
Can anyone say that they've come up with it, you know, out of thin air? Absolutely not. You have used Allah's given brain, and Allah's given intelligence, and Allah's given hands and eyes and sensory organs to be able to use Allah's created raw materials. And you have worked with Allah's creation to come up over a period of centuries or decades of technology building upon one another with something that now you use to gain some knowledge. So that knowledge comes from where? Comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is ilmul ghayb, but this is a, a portion of ilmul ghayb that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses to give you the ability to learn. For example, Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, he went for mi'raj. The Prophet ﷺ in so many hadiths, he said, this is what's going to happen in Jannah, this is what's going to happen in Jahannam. He gave us scenarios of paradise, scenarios and scenes rather of hellfire. He's not alimul ghayb, he says that in the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa tells Rasulullah tell them that, مثلكم, I am just like a human being, just like you. If I knew, the, if I had the knowledge of the unseen, I would have gathered immense amounts of goodness always for myself. My family and I would always be prosperous. That was not the case. And I would have never been afflicted with any pain or difficulty. That was obviously not the case either with Rasulullah So Rasulullah did not know the future. Yes, there are instances where Rasulullah shared things. Yeah, most definitely. But that is ilm of ghayb which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala choose to share with him. For example, if a person has a dream and a vision that this will happen tomorrow. Is that possible? Yes? Of course it's possible. A person may have a vision of the future. But you're not going to say that you're alim al-ghayb. You're not going to say that you, you know these, the unseen. It's simply Allah is choosing to communicate with you about something that may happen in the future. And as it comes in hadith, that as we get closer to the day of judgment, uh, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send more you know, these type of dreams to the righteous, pious believers. Dreams. A righteous, pious believers will be the way Allah azza wa jal will communicate with us. Subhanallah. It's like behind the enemy lines. You know, you need communicate. It's in the thick of war, in the thick of battle. And how is this communication taking place? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to be sending signals through, through dreams that awliya and ulama see. So what, what the time that is set, Allah Azza wa is saying, you cannot go beyond that and cannot delay it, cannot prepone it. And then this ayah here, Allah Azza wa, when He says that one after another nations come and uh, when they belie the Prophet, we eventually make them into tales. This is a very powerful ayah. We make them into tales. You know, why is this a powerful ayah? Because we're all going to become a tale. Once upon a time, there's a man who used to live. That's going to be you and I. A hundred years from now, that's what we'll be. All of us are going to become stories and tales. Some good and some bad, unfortunately. Some people will say, Ya Allah, fill his so-and-so's grave with nur. Be pleased with him. He came to this country and he did this, this, this work. And today my children and I are benefiting from the efforts of this man or this woman. And then there will be others who a person will say, Ya Allah, destroy them, curse them. For this person who brought this evil of, say, drugs into our into, into our markets. Uh, legalization of marijuana. Now what, now what is it? Some companies now have been allowed to sell along with marijuana. They're legalizing in Canada. Just read a headline. Uh, it's much harder drugs, like, you know, harsher crack cocaine type of stuff. Ajib, we cannot imagine just when we were kids, and not even when we were kids, when we were not even teenagers, when we were adults, we saw people being incarcerated for life, for these type of things. And now, in the name of recreational drugs, 
These are being sold. And some of the people who are the harshest uh, opponents of this are now owning shares in companies that are selling it. This is the corrupt dunya that we live in. And so now it's not just marijuana. Now it's some harsher drugs as well. So imagine what lana people later on will say. This, they're crazy. These, this, this opening up of the doors of drugs here. Opening up of all this filth. What has, what has vaping done? What has e-cigarettes done? What has all of this done to our kids and our youth? This wasn't the case before. They have become addicts, little children, 8th graders, ninth graders. They can't live without this. They're zombies. You look at them. Wallahi, I would go, go, go to the dentist, you know, I was at the dentist's office yesterday. I was looking at one kid, 14, 15 years old. I'm looking at him, like literally look like, like you know, a zombie. And he's just moving around like this. Like, a, like some, he's, يَتَخَبَّطُوا الشَّيْطَانُ مِنَ الْمَسِّ As though some shaitan has got him. He's waiting in line to see the dentist. But he needs to first see, you know, maybe a psychiatrist or a raqi before he sees anyone else. Serious. What's going on? Because these people are high. They're smoking all kinds of things. And their brains, they're fried. They're used to, they've been, for the, since a young age, they've been smoking these type of things. Now, they can't look at you straight in the eye. They're jittery, like this. Okay, you see drunken people on the streets, under the bridge, bichare masakin. We feel sorry for them as well. But now, you don't expect it to see a 12-year-old, a 14-year-old acting like this. Look at how much filth has come through this narcotics, through these various types of drugs, through this alcohol, subhanAllah, and then through the whole industry of haram, fush, lewdness. It's unbelievable. So how will people be cursing them? And if they don't curse them here, 100% they will be cursing them in the akhirah. لَعَنَتْ أُخْتَهَا حَتَّى إِذَا دَارَكُوا فِيهَا جَمِيعًا قَالَتْ أُخَاهُمْ لِيُولَاهُمْ رَبَّنَا هَاؤُلَا يَضَلُّونَ فَآتِمَ عَذَابًا ضِعْفَ مِنَ النَّارِ Allah Azza says, the groups of Jahannamis, groups after groups, will be la'nat they'll be cursing one another. Cursing one another. Today, two friends get arrested while doing some drugs by the cops. They both get arrested. What happens? You're gonna see them cursing each other out. Dude, you got me into this. You got me into this. Didn't I tell you to stop this? That's what's gonna happen. This small little cop is putting you behind this, behind this car, a squad car, and now you start cursing each other out. Imagine when the flames of hellfire are going to be touching these people. And they're going to realize, we're never going to get out of here. Right? Imagine the level of curse. Imagine the level of anger towards one another. Allah says, They'll be cursing one another. Until they will be piled up on top of one another in hellfire. One of the, the ones who came later will come regarding, will say to, regarding the, the ones who came prior to them. Rabbana, O our Lord, these are the ones who misled us. These are the ones who misled us. Ya Allah, I beg you, we're gonna burn in hell. What can we say? But at least give them double of what we're suffering. Give them double of what we're suffering. Because they're the ones who caused it. What is the answer? You're asking for double? I'm gonna give both of you double. Subhanallah. Both of you will get double. You have no idea what you're dealing with. They'll go fighting back and forth. They'll say, listen man, we didn't deceive you. You deceived yourself. You should, be, you should also suffer. And Mawlana read beautifully in, in, uh, in, in Salat al-Isha. That's what shaitan will come and give his keynote address. When everything will be wrapped up. People of Jahannam in Jahannam, people in Jannah in Jannah. He will give his keynote address. وَقَالَ الشَّيْطَانُ لَمَّا قُضِيَ الْأَمْرِ When all the affairs will be decided, shaitan will speak up. And he will say, إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَعَدَكُمْ وَعَدَ الْحَقِّ Indeed Allah had promised you a truthful promise. وَوَعَدْتُكُمْ And I promised you as well. What did I promise you? 
Take drugs, you'll be happy. Take alcohol, you'll be happy. Do zina, you'll be happy. Watch haram, you'll be happy. Uh, you know, deen is difficult. Deen is hard. Staying away from intoxicants is hard. Staying away from the opposite gender is hard. Deen, deen makes life difficult. Leave deen and you'll have a fun and free life. That's exactly what shaitan continues to say and whisper. Listen to music and you will have fun. Listen to Quran, Quran Sharif, and you know what? It's boring. You, you know, listen, tap your feet and your hands and fingers and dance to music, and that's where entertainment and enjoyment will come. That's what he tells the ummah. That if a wedding does not have music, does not have mixing, there's no fun. Does even a wedding even get complete? If it can, I don't even know. If ijab and qubul is taking place or what? If there's no haram in the wedding, can that be wedding done? That's what shaitan comes and tells people. Where's the fun if we don't have haram? So now shaitan will say, Allah promised you a true promise. Well, I took him and I promised you. But I broke my promise. I told you, if you follow my way, I'll give you happiness. If you follow my whisperings, I will give you what you want. And that's what you see outside. What do you see? You see people who have sold their soul to the devil. This is not some random statement I'm saying. In reality, that's what, they don't even know they're doing that. The ones who listen to music all day, the ones who eat haram all day, the ones who watch haram all day, the ones who smoke haram all day, whatever they've done. They've gone into a pact without even them realizing with shaitan. They got into a pack with shaitan. And now, sitting in the masjid, they get an allergic reaction. Listening to the Qur'an, allergic reaction. Listening to a hadith of the Prophet they get uneasy. They can't do that stuff. You tell them to come sit in a bayan, can't do it. But anything else besides this, watch three hours of haram, seven hours, addiction, Allahu Akbar. No problem. Smoke this stuff every day, no problem. Listen to this stuff all day, no problem. Shaitan has taken them that, that, down that path. And now Shaitan wants, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, no shirk. You know who says no shirk? Shaitan says no shirk. Shaitan says, I want you only for me. Nobody else. So if, if you've chosen me to be yours, and I've cho- you want me to choose you to be mine, then you cannot, even for one instance, look towards anything good. Don't even think and dream about going towards the Quran. Don't even think and dream about going towards, subhanAllah, some deeny talk. Because that is going to anger me. Yeah, yeah, this is what it is. It's, these are the demons that are walking around, who sold their souls to shaitan. I broke my promise. But don't, don't cry and get angry at me. He says, I did not have the capacity to force you. Except that I invited you. You chose. You chose to accept my invitation. You chose to accept my invitation. Do not blame me. Walumu and fusakum. Blame yourself. Subhanallah. And these are powerful verses of the Quran. Don't blame me. Blame yourself. Who's saying this? Shaitan. Please move up. Move up. Don't keep the space inside there. Boys, come move up. Don't, don't keep any space in between. Jazakallah khairan. Lumu and fusakum. Blame yourself. Ma ana bimusrikhikum. I cannot save you. Who says this? Shaitan says, I can't save you. And you can't save me. I know I'm going to burn in hell forever. But guess what? I got you. Misery loves company. So I have you with me. I have nothing to do with the shirk you made. You said I'm partners with Allah. No, no, no. Who am I? I'm nobody. Shaitan is saying, I'm nobody. Indeed, the oppressors, they have the ultimate painful torment on the day of judgment. So this is the ending of everyone. Is that we will become a hadith. We will become tales. Now the choice is, do you want to become a good tale or a bad tale? Many mothers when they put their children to sleep, many fathers when they put their children to sleep, say, do you know your dada? You know my mom, 
uh, used to tell me about my nana. I never saw him. Rahimahullah from Nasya. But he used to tell me about how he was a hunter and he used to go hunt lions. And this is how I used to go to sleep listening to that. Like, wow, man. My dad, my uncle, used to, my, my grandpa used to hunt lions. I should be able to take care of my homework, you know? <laughs> so, this, you hear these things. It's like, wow, this is an amazing, amazing person. And then there are other people, Allah forbid, who unfortunately who haven't done anything good in this world. Uh, every time we go to South Africa or anywhere else, they say, You're from Chicago. Oh, Al Capone. Bhai say, Al Capone, kapke margya bhai. He died long time ago. But he's still, everyone, they think Al Capone, that he's roaming around, his grandchildren roaming around here. Dada giri you know, all over the place. We have, other, we have other horrible problems here, but Al Capone is gone. But the idea, look at he's, he's, he's a name that no one can forget. Like that, other, other people, are, are people, t- people tell their kids, like, oh, that's a gangster, fulan, fulan, fulan. So this is why some of the ulama would make this beautiful dua, that, يعني, Ya Allah, لا تجعلني عبرة لأحد من الناس في خلقك. Oh Allah, do not make me a lesson for other people of your creation. Don't make me a, a source of, 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 of a lesson. Don't make me a sabak for other people. لا تجعلني قصة يتعظ الناس بي. Do not make me a story from whose story people will be taught a lesson. I don't want to be a story that moms will be telling their kids. You see, if you don't listen, this is what happens. Or you don't study, this is what happens. You know, an example. So one person, this is mentioned in the books, that one person was walking by. You know on the streets they have these artists. Artists, they're drawing stuff. So one artist, you know, he, he came and this, there's one, I think, poet. He was, he was not handsome at all. He was not known for being beautiful. So one day, one of the street artists was there. And he said, Bhai, can you please come here? He said, he said, can you just sit here? He said, okay, no problem. I'm not going anywhere. I'll sit here. So the artist began to draw something. After a while, he said, Jaiye, Jazakallah khair, your you know, job is done. You can leave. He said, thank you, but can you please tell me why, why you made me sit here? He said, one lady came to me. And she hired me my services and she said, I want you to draw a big portrait of shaitan. <laughs> so I thought, man, I need to draw something that looks really, you know, scary. I saw you. So I thought, I said, come, come sit here. And I just looked at you and drawed what I thought would be a scary picture of shaitan. So this is what it means. You don't want to become an example. Huh? That we're walking by and it's not people say, that's a failure. Ah, that's a failure. That's how you better not be. But it's not about when we're alive also being a failure, it's about once we're dead. That people pass by and say, this, this person was horrible. So, all these people who, who led powerful lives, what happened? We turned them into tales. Thereafter, we sent Musa and his brother Harun with our signs and a clear proof. We sent them towards Fir'aun. وَمَلَائِهِ and his advisors فَاسْتَكْبَرُوا But they showed arrogance وَكَانُوا قَوْمًا عَالِينَ And they were haughty people So Musa a.s. when he's dealing with Fir'aun and his people Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not mention قَوْمَ Fir'aun Towards the nation of Fir'aun Instead Allah mentions إِلَى فِرْعَوْنَ وَمَلَأ Fir'aun and his mala' What are mala' Mala' are not just advisors I think we've definitely done this word before it are those, mala are those people who are close to the king and uh, they fill up the place. They have seats, you have seats around the king. All the seats are taken by these people. They fill up the seats. They fill up the, uh, the, court, the, the court of the king. So these are the noblemen. 
and these are the uh, the the, the, attend, the those who attend the king in his court. So, what happened? These people, uh, they and Fir'aun together, they decided to um, become arrogant and not listen. And notice, mala the people who are close to Fir, uh, close to anyone, they have an, a deeper understanding of what's what's right and what's wrong. And what happens usually that they understand what the rules are and they have a chance to bring some change they're the advisors but if a person is surrounded by bad advisors he can't do anything that's why one of the duas we should be making is Allah marzuqna bitanatan saliha oh Allah grant me a righteous group of of, 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 of an inner group of righteous friends inner group inner circle if you have an inner group of righteous, God-fearing people, you will be able to achieve unbelievable things. The reason why many people want to do good, wealthy people, politicians, powerful leaders, and they're not able to do so, is because they're good and sincere, but they're unfortunately surrounded by corrupt people. So who use the power and the wealth of these people for their own ways. Even if a person is a man of knowledge, a scholar, but if he's not surrounded with pious people, Unfortunate things can happen Because then that scholar gets misused By this inner group We see that happening I've seen this personally many times Amazing scholar God-fearing person Knowledgeable person But the people around him Say oh this is The golden What? Golden duck We're going to use him he's, he's well connected We're going to use him To get things done So he doesn't even know What's happening I remember just to tell you How the true scholars How careful they are That they should, their name should not be used anymore Anywhere For anything Subhanallah. May Allah grant us the suhb of such people and make us from amongst such people. One of Inamul Hassan, Rahimahumullah, known as, as the third Hazraji, Rahimahullah, the, 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 uh, after Mawlana Ilyas, Rahmatullah Ali, and after Mawlana Yusuf al Kandali, Rahmatullah Ali, the one who was, who was in charge and the Amir of the effort of Da'wah and Tabligh. So one day he had a, he had a um, suitcase that needed to be sewn, need to be repaired. So he asked one of the, the ulama who was, doing, who was in his khidmah, who was, who was attending to him, to go get it fixed. Allahu Akbar. So he went to go get it fixed. And he went outside in the Nizamuddin, in the gully there, there's a whole bunch of you know, stores and shops. So he went to one shop owner, fixed it, brought it back, you know, five, ten rupees probably, at most, what is that? He comes back and then Hazrat asks him, Okay, yeah, how much did it cost? So he said, Nothing. So he said, What? Nothing? What is this supposed to mean? Nothing. Then he asked him, Did you tell him it was my bag? Did you tell him it was my bag? So he was like, uh, Yeah, yes. So he said, SubhanAllah, he scolded me so badly, so badly, I just wish like that, you know, the earth would have swallowed me in before this. And he said, Tumera naam bechteo. Are you selling my name? How dare you could have said my name and then gotten this bag taken care of for free? You know who told me this story? This is one Ahmad Lahat Sahab. I heard this story myself from him in South Africa when he was visiting. Because he was that Khadim who took that bag of Mawlana Imam Hassan to the, the, the one who was fixing those bags. And he said, I got scolded so badly because he said, how dare you use my name? He was not using it for himself. I am Hazrat's Khadim. Can you please hook me up with this? Yeah, huh? 
That's what people do. That's exactly what I'm talking about. People do that stuff today. And they've done it in the past and do it today. That the person is great, but the people surrounded are corrupt. So they think that this is now, you know, we, we, we got a big, we got a big uh, powerful, uh, what you call, uh, uh, trump card that we can now use to get our stuff done. And they make that sheikh into, unfortunately, uh, you know, a piece of a, on a chessboard to play dirty things and tricks and make money and this, that. All this materialism comes in. So, that, yani, this is sad. Mahrumiya. That you're sitting with a person who is connected with Allah, but forget about... Forget about benefiting from him. You've actually gotten yourself in a worse situation. Had you not been with him, you would have been much better. So maddiyat and materialism is so bad that it doesn't allow you to benefit from, from even the, the awliya when you're right next to them. So we were speaking about bitanatan saliha, being connected with someone who is, yani being surrounded by people who are good. So we should make this dua to Allah. Ya Allah, allow my wife and, my, uh, and the women make dua, Ya Allah, allow my husband to be surrounded with righteous, God-fearing people. Oh Allah, allow every son and daughter of mine to have great friends who are God-fearing, who have people of, of haya, people of adab, that will keep my son and daughter on the right path. Because we're not going to always be there as parents. We have to make sure that we leave righteous, pious, good friends to, keep comp- to give good company to our children. Now, the rules, how it's supposed to be. The closer you are to a person, <laughs> you know, the stronger the rules are. Meaning, I'm going to share with you the beautiful, powerful story of Umar radiallahu anhu. When Umar radiallahu anhu wanted to, wanted to unveil a ruling or a law on the land, he would first gather his own family. And he would say, إِنِّي قَدْ أَمَرْتُ النَّاسَ بِكَذَا وَنَهَيْتُمْ عَنْ كَذَا Indeed, I have ordered the people, the public, to do so and such and such things. And I have told them that they are no longer allowed to do these things. These are laws. And the people, they're like birds. If they look at you, that you are doing what you're not supposed to do, they will follow in your footsteps and also break the law. They will not say, you know what? Who cares about the family of Umar? I am fearing Allah and I have to follow the law of the land and follow the sharia. But instead they will be like the sheep I was talking about, just jumping. One sheep jumps off the mountain cliff and another one follows, another one follows. So the people are like birds. If they see you disobeying the orders, they will also disobey. Wa'aymullah. And I swear by Allah. Umar Allah says, La wahidin. I will not be brought by any one of you. None of you will be brought to me. I will not see any one of you brought to me in my court, my relatives, who has done what I have asked the people not to do, except that I will double and increase the punishment due to his closeness to me. So then being related to Umar became a big test. Because why? If you are a relative of Umar and you do something wrong, you're going to get punished twice. This was the adal, the justice of Umar radiallahu anhu. May Allah Jalla Jalalu make you and I like this. People qawameena bil qisli shuhada'a lillah. That we stand up for the truth all the time, anytime, everywhere. Walaw ala anfusikum. Even if it means you have to speak the truth against yourself. Even if you have to testify against your own family. But we, our loyalty is with the truth. Not with our nation. Not with our blood. Not with our people. This is very hard. 
Because this is where Asabiya comes in. This is where Hamiya comes in. This is where your love for your nation, love for your family, love for your, your uh, tribe comes in. And a person then slips. Very few are such who are blessed to remain firm at this, uh, you know, at this time. And Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, that is uh, in, regarding his wives, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Whichever the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, if they were to commit a sin, an act of lewdness, then the punishment will be multiplied. Right? Many times. So, Fir'aun, we're talking about Mala, we're talking about the people around Fir'aun. The inner circle was corrupt. So they couldn't guide him. They, gui- they were misguided and they misguided him as well. And he was misguided, he misguided them. You know, back and forth. Fashtakbaru. And they, they showed arrogance. Beloved brothers and sisters, this is one thing we need to remove from our hearts and minds. And, and cleanse ourselves from any and all forms of kibr. Kibr, kibr. Ramadan is coming. Let's seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from this horrible disease. Do you all know the hadith? لا يدخل الجنة من كان في قلبي مثقال حبة من كبر That person cannot enter paradise in whose heart is an iota of arrogance. Now you tell me, why is a man being deprived of paradise? He's got he did salah, zakat, hajj. MashaAllah, he's, got, he's an alim, he's a hafiz. He gives donations. This is, why is he not allowed to enter Jannah? All the good you did, we don't care. This one issue is so bad, you're not going to be allowed to enter Jannah. Why? Because kibr, even an iota of kibr, it simply does not get along with ubudiyah. It does not match being a servant of Allah. If when you say I'm a servant of Allah, hence I worship you, Allah says, "Really? Why? Where's the arrogance coming from? Where's this arrogance from? If you are truly a, a worshiper, if you are truly a servant of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, how dare you have the audacity to be arrogant? Al kibriya wal azama, greatness, grandeur. This is as in one hadith, rida Allah. This is the upper and lower garment of Allah. Yani, this is a metaphor. That like if you come, you can be close to me, I can be close to you, we're friends. But imagine in the middle of the crowd, you come and try to pull my shirt off of me. How's that going to make me feel? I mean, I would not be sane if I won't get angry. That's what it is. You can be close to someone, but if you yank his shirt off of him, wow, you're going to see it. Something. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, greatness, grandeur, and might, and this is my upper and lower garment. Whoever attempts to snatch it away from me, I will drag him headlong into the fire of Jahannam. Allahu Akbar. Seriously, are we going to ever win this game of trying to snatch away greatness from Allah? uh, Grandeur from Allah? So why even try to attempt something as foolish as this? Because if we do it, we are going to bring a huge musibah upon us. Notice, kibr and arrogance, this becomes a reason why people do not accept Islam. فَاسْتَكْبَرُوا وَكَانُوا قَوْمًا عَالِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they were Arrogant and they were haughty people. Uh, Shaitan, uh, Iblis, I'm sorry. Fir'aun, he, what else did he say? Ana al-a'la. I am your supreme Lord. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَأَخَذَهُ اللَّهُ نَكَالَ الْآخِرَةِ وَالْأُولَى Allah decided to punish him in the hereafter and punish him in the dunya as well. Both places. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided to, he said, I'm going to punish him. So the reason why people do not get a tawfiq to repent, my beloved brothers and sisters, is arrogance. What is the root cause of atheism spreading in our community? What is the root cause of agnosticism spreading in the community? What is the root cause of young people leaving Islam? Boils down to one thing, arrogance. You've heard me speaking about this before. But there's always new people coming in, so I repeat this something because this is very important. Arrogance is the ummul amrab, the mother of all sickness. 
This is exactly what says, makes a person say, you know what? Islam is too hard. Islam is too difficult. I don't, I, you know, why do I have to always be told, this is haram, this is halal, this is makru, all this stuff. You know what? I want to lead a free life. What does that mean? He's too arrogant to humble himself in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's it. If a person cannot humble himself, he will never be guided. Humility is the key to gain any level of guidance. You have to put your head down. You have to bow down and say, you know what? I'm nothing. I am an abd. I am a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is why Surah Al-Baqarah begins with Alif Lam Mim. And you all know that the translation of that, we say, Allahu a'lamu bi muradi bidhalik. Allah knows best its meaning. That's the first large surah after Surah Al-Fatiha in the Quran. Alif Lam Mim. Meaning you could have, mashallah, 10 year degree from, from any school, any university, in any subject. But when you come to study the Quran, you have to put away your caps and sit down and humble. Some people wonder why we sit in the madrasa on the floor and have desks, right? And we sit on the floor. But that's the whole thing. It requires humility. Ajkal, I get these foolish questions. It's people, some of the questions people ask. They walk in with a desk, a madrasa, and say, Wow, brother, this is 2023. Why do we sit on the floor? Right? 2023. Like, that has anything to do with that. Like, there's some, there was some loss of development. That's why the earlier people didn't have chairs. I mean, there's chairs, always been chairs. What is that supposed to mean? There was no chairs during the time of the Prophet. They said, This is 2023. Why are we sitting on the floor? And then another weird thing that people tell me, when they go into the library and they see the books, as soon as they walk in, instead of saying, SubhanAllah, let me smell a book. Let me pick this up. Oh my, I can't even read it, but I feel like crying. And I show them, like amazing books that are there. Tafsir, Lugha, Hadith. Oh, brother, have you got all the PDFs of this? You should try to put it all online. Bhai, what do you mean? Everything is already online. That's a musibah. Has that increased in my ilm and your ilm? Why don't you appreciate just simply holding on to a book? Why everything PDF, everything online? We have a limited library. Obviously, thousands of books are online already and apps and whatnot. Appreciate the original stuff. Right? Appreciate. But people are slowly becoming distant from, unfortunately, the original things. So when you, sit on, when you come in and sit on the floor, what is that? That is humility in front of your kitab. Humility in front of your ustad. Humility in front of your teacher, in front of your book, in front of knowledge. A person says, uh... You know, when I was visiting Turkey, I saw by many of the original madrasas. We visited many madrasas, to, you know, built long ago. And mashallah, they all had like a door, like the hobbit has a door. You know, the hobbit's door. <laughs> small door. So I, I was like, my, this is cute. You know, small, nice, cute door. And the small door, you, just like that. You open in the door and go inside. And then there's a beautiful room. The sheikh is sitting and this, that. So I asked the people, what is this door like this? They said, this is to ensure that no one walks in with his chest open and his head straight up. Every time you enter the classroom, you have, to, you have to not do ruku or sajda, simply humble yourself a little bit. Allahu Akbar. Right? Hundreds of years, the Ottomans led, led the Muslim world. And this is what, the, what is required. When you enter a classroom, be humble. One time a person was comparing, uh, you know, he said, where should I go study? He said, there's all a bunch of places to go study. I said, well, here you can see, we have a simple place, we sit on the floor, we study. So immediately his response was, I don't need to sit on the floor to get my tarbiyah and my islah done. I said, alhamdulillah, this is the end of our interview. You already know that this place is not for you. You need to go somewhere else. Because if this is your knee-jerk response, I don't need to sit on the floor to get my islah done, means 100% of your islah is not done. But on top of that, you don't even recognize that. So that's called jahlul murakkab. You don't know and you don't know that you don't know and we cannot help people like that. We can only help people who don't know and who say, I don't know, I came to learn. But if you don't know and you think you know it all, then who's going to help you? 
None can help. So humility and humbleness is the key for studying ilm, for gaining hidayah. Now my beloved brothers and sisters, no matter how much ilm a person gets, he must always not only remain humble in front of Allah, but he has to remain humble in front of other human beings as well. Musa salam, the greatest of prophet at that time, most knowledgeable person at that time, no doubt. Kalimullah, the one who spoke with Allah. There we can go on about the virtues of Musa. Allah Azzawajal asks him, who is the most knowledgeable person? He says, I am. Which is right in that sense. But Allah didn't like the sound of it. I don't like, I don't like how that sounds. I just don't like how that sounds. I am the most knowledgeable. Nope. You need to get out. Leave. Ya Allah, what should I do? You made a mistake. Yes, go. I'm going to teach you a lesson. You're going to go and you, there's, you are most knowledgeable in the Sharia. Yes. But there's people who know some other aspects of, of, of the world that you don't know. About taqween, about the inner workings of the world. And that person's name is Khadir. Go see him. And that beautiful story in Surah Al-Kahf we studied. So the idea is that no matter how grand a scholar may be, he has to always remain humble, not in front of only Allah, but the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and true knowledge, if a person has true knowledge, the more knowledge a person has, the more humility and humbleness will come into him. Like they say, uh, you know, a tree, that is, uh, that a tree that has got a lot of fruit will be the one that will be hanging. Yeah, it will be hanging low. The tree that's got no fruit, the branches are high up. And the tree that has a lot of fruit, what happened? The branches humble themselves. So a person who has knowledge, you'll see. And this is something I benefit all the time when I go visit South Africa and go see my honorable teachers. Allahu Akbar. That's one of the greatest things that I see is the absolute level of humility and humbleness in them. It's just jaw-dropping, you know, the students who come with me or American kids who have never spent time with them, they don't even understand, like, what, this is humility. They don't even understand what's going on. Because they haven't exposed to it. They haven't been exposed. They don't understand. They can't read between the lines that he's actually, you know, subhanAllah, talking down about himself to such a degree that you don't even understand it. That's how, that's how these masha... And they're not faking it, by the way. You know, وَبِيَكَدَيْمْ plastic tawazo. We used to call it plastic tawazo, huh? Or the fake one, the one that melts. Fake tawazo. No, it's not fake tawazo. True tawazo. I've shared this maybe in front of some of you. Haji Farooq rahmatullah alayhi. One of the great mashayikh of, 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 of Sufi, a mashayikh of Pakistan. From Sakkar. Huh? The... Um, uh, Haji Farooq rahmatullah his son, Mulana Abdul Bari, he came, he left Pakistan to come study in South Africa after he finished his whole alim course. His father is one of the main shuyukh of tasawwuf in Pakistan. He passed away. So this was my first year in Pakistan. I'm sorry, my first year in South Africa. So alhamdulillah, we used to go and attend Mufti Radha Raksab's house. My brother and I were blessed to go see him regularly since our first year studying there. We go to his home regularly, you know, go press his feet in the evening and have chai with him and spend quality time, ask him questions and so forth. So Mona Abdul Bari was staying in his house. Mufti Sahib's family has been in, in, in Pakistan for years. So Mona Abdul Bari was staying there. So I asked, you know, you're Haji Farooq Sahib's son. You finished your alam course and everything. And um, you're here. Why did you come to South Africa? Can I ask you? They did not have a proper... Uh, Takhassus and postgraduate program, IFTA program in 98. It was, it was nobody, it was just him. He was the only person there. I said, why did you leave Pakistan to come here? What an answer. He said, Mere Walid sahab ne mujhe yahan bheja, Mufti sahab se tawazu ke liye. 
He said, my father sent me here to learn humility and humbleness from Hazrat Mufti Radha al-Haqsab. There's a lot of great ulama there. But he said, this is what he sent me to, to South Africa for. There's no structured takhasus program, no problem. I've come to learn humility. I'm serious, I'm not exa- exaggerating. This is exactly what he told me. How often did we think that this is something that we need to learn? That we need to go, now you don't learn humility from books. You learn humility from people. You stay in the company of humble people and you see people who are far more experienced, far more knowledgeable, far more advanced than us. And we say, whoa, if there's anyone who should be arrogant, it should be him. How come he's so humble? I'm nobody in front of him. Yet he's so much more humble than I am. This is when you realize, okay, I need to fix myself up. So this is something that subhanAllah, we're, we're learning here that, that um, uh, you know, the, the aspect of takabbur is horrible. This is what doesn't allow a person to, re- to repent. This, this is what not allow a person to see his mistakes. So my beloved brothers and sisters, many of us unfortunately suffer arrogance, but we don't even realize it. Because that's the nature of this disease. That not only it comes in, but it's like a very hidden virus. It learns how to mask itself. So it comes into a person, but it doesn't allow a person to realize also that he's arrogant. What is the definition, quick uh, definition of arrogance? Al-kibru batrul haqqi wa nas. Arrogance is to deny the truth and to look down upon people. Deny the truth. Someone says, but you're wrong. You know you're wrong, but you say, no, I'm not. That's arrogance. If you know, when someone tells you you're wrong and you're denying, you're not willing to accept that, then this is, this is what we're talking about. Um, is, 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 this is what is arrogance. And number two, غَمْتُ nasi To look down upon people. فَقَالُوا أَنُؤْمِنُوا لِبَشَرِينِ مِثْلِنَا وَقُومُهُمَ لَنَا عَابِدُونَ So they said, أَنُؤْمِنُوا Shall we believe in two humans? Shall we believe in two humans? مِثْلِنَا Who are just like us. Yani who is the humans? Musa and Harun. They're just like us. وَقُومُهُمَ لَنَا عَابِدُونَ And whose people are serving us as slaves. Very important point. I touched upon this some weeks ago. This is where the test comes. When the Muslims are people on the lower end of the socioeconomic status. That's when it's hard for these disbelievers to say, these Muslims, Musa's followers are slaves. How can they be on the truth? In the modern era, in Indo-Pak, what do you see? Not, not so much now, but it used to be like a 50, 60 years ago. Who goes to the madrasa? The poor people. Who goes to the madrasa? The disabled people. Who goes to the madrasa? Those who don't have the means to get ahead in dunya. So what happens? Now that that person comes in, and now he's your imam. He may, be, he may be far more intelligent than you are. He may have studied far more than you have, which is usually the case. And what happens when a person says, how can I sit and listen to his khutbah? How can I allow him to perform my, my nikah? How can I sit and pray salah behind him when he comes from a, from a lower caste or a lower society or this, that? This is the problem. So people have a hard time respecting scholarship because the people who studied the deen were people usually, frankly speaking, poor people. Yesterday, someone shared with me what one of the great, one ulama of, of England, Sufi Tahir, Damat Barakatu, mentioned. Someone just asked him, someone, I just, someone shared this text with me. He says, someone went to go see him. He says, Hazrat, how come deen in England and deen in America is so different? Have any of you been to UK? No? Or you go there, right? You might have heard. It's quite different. Masjids, madrasas, far, far more developed than we are. Far, far more. Maktab system especially. Uh, halal system, you know, it's just completely different. 
way ahead of us in deen, in terms of deen, way ahead of us. So how is it that UK things are so different than in America? What an amazing assessment. He said, it, Allah knows best, but there's one possible reason for this, is that the people who came to UK from Indo-Pak, the original people, or even the Arabs probably, were people of working class laborers, did not have much education, and did, definitely did not have money at all. They were poor people without any professional skills. So they got into lower end menial jobs. And the people who migrated to America were people of, of good educational backgrounds, professional backgrounds, who either had money or then made tons of money based on their degrees over here. And naturally you see the deen comes alive within poor people quicker and faster than the wealthier ones. SubhanAllah. I, th I don't think that assessment can be said as wrong. There's a definite truth to that. And this is how it happens throughout the ages. That the poor and those who don't have much, SubhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them the akhirah, gives them the deen. Lucky indeed are those who Allah has blessed them both. That they have the dunya and the deen. They have wealth and the deen, mashaAllah. So this was the test here. That how is it, how is it that these people are worship? <laughs> these people are slaves at our home. And we, you expect us to follow them? My beloved brothers and sisters, we learn from here is do not look at how poor or how rich the people are following the deen are. This is what previous people fell into the same trap. I quoted to you what Nuhalayhisalam's people said. Do you expect us to follow you, O Nuhalayhisalam, when Aradiluna, the low class, Badirai? What was the translation of Badirai? Anyone remember? The students of knowledge here? Badirai? Yes. Huh? Badirai, okay. Badi, Badi, yani, people who are very shallow in their opinions. Meaning they don't have, they're not deep at all. They don't go deep. Sathi soch hai unki. Sathi soch. You know, very superficial. They're not deep philosophical thinkers. That's who these people are. Working labor class. And these are your followers, O Nuh You expect us to follow them. I'm trying to share this highlight this, that this is a fitna that lasts till today. This is a fitna that lasts till today. One, one wealthy person, Allah gave him a lot of money. He told me this story. He said, I used to go and I, I one day went to, decided to go to Ishtima, Tablighi Ishtima. So someone asked me, Bhai, where are you going this weekend? He said, I'm going to the Ishtima. So that person told him, Bhai, aap shakhs, a man like you, Bhai, aap to bade maldar admi, you're a rich person, aap Ishtima ja rahe ho. You're going to the, to gharib ke liye. That's for poor people. This, is, this person told me the story himself. He said, why you say that? He said, no man, but you're a man, you're rich and you're a businessman. Why are you going and wasting your time with these poor people going jamaat? So this person was an imam in some masjid, unfortunately. But he didn't have proper understanding. So then he told him, he said, by imam sahab, you know, you know more than me. But let me tell you one thing. You stand up and you give khutbahs on the importance of humility and humbleness. You give khutbah on how bad arrogance is. You give khutbah on the importance of sabr and, and, and forbearance. Yes or no? He said, yes. He said, giving a khutbah is one thing, and putting into practice and reliving it is another thing. You agree? He said, of course. He said, where is the maidan and the place to put your khutbah into practice? I hear your khutbah, I'm motivated, I want to become humble, I want to become forbearing, I want to become patient, I want to learn how to control my anger. Where is the opportunity for me to try this out? So then he said his own story. He said, you know, you say I'm a wealthy person because you know my background. He said, one day I was in khuruj, in jamaat. 
I was in America somewhere. I went out in Jawla to someone's house, Muslim brother's house. And he said, I knocked on the door, as you usually do. He said, knocked on the door. The guy opened the door, and uh, he wasn't too happy. The Muslims came to see him. So this is exactly what he said. He said, he told me, he said, you, you're probably an uneducated you know, a person who's got no job, and that's why you come into my house. Why don't you go get a job first and learn something of the dunya? And he slammed the door on his face. Right? And this guy could have bought him out in the seven generations. Now he looked. Amir Sahib says, Be quiet, silence. You can't say anything. Your blood is boiling. Your eyes have turned red, but you can't say anything. Look down. Let's walk to the next house. Done. He shared the story. He said, Where do you learn sabr? Where do you learn patience for the sake of Allah? It's one thing to give a talk about it. It's one thing to walk the walk. And this is how we learn it. So this is till today, this is this misconception that the people who spend time in the masjid, the people who go to madrasa, the people who go to khanqa, the people who go out in jamaat, these are people who are useless, beggars, uneducated group of people who, who, who don't have anything better to do. That's why they do that. This is, well, let's, not, let's be honest. That is the perception. That is 100% the perception. And so this has been the perception from Nuwar Islam's time. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala literally doesn't allow the rich usually to come to the deen. They're so intoxicated with their wealth, they don't have time. They're so full of themselves and their money and their arrogance, they don't have the ability to humble themselves in front of Allah. This whole talk, what I've been talking about over the past 15 minutes, humility. When you cannot humble yourself, why will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow you to sit in a madrasa and on a, in front of a desk, in front of a teacher and sit and read? He won't. Because in order to do that, you have to be humble. Why will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow you to take a sleeping bag and sleep on the floor in, in a cold masjid somewhere? He won't because that requires humility. Why will Allah allow you to go to a khanqa and sit and eat dry bread and some dal, right? And, listen, and, and sit and, on, the, on a floor that's got no chatai, no carpet, nothing for 40 days at the, at the feet of a sheikh. And he says, to do this, take out the garbage today, tomorrow clean the bathroom. And you just say, Samana watana, I listen to nobody. Who's going to do that? Someone who's loaded with money and intoxicated with it? No. Yes, there are certain really lucky individuals who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows them to own the money and the money doesn't own them. Allah Azza wa allows them to have the money in their pocket and not in their heart. And that's what you should make dua. When you say, Ya Allah, make my children successful in the dunya, make me successful, make sure you add this point, that Ya Allah, do not allow the money to get into my heart. Because this is poison. Just like the water gets into the ship, it will make it sink. As long as the ship does not have water flooding into it, it will flow well. It will go very well. Similarly, as long as we have the dunya around us and not into our hearts, it will happen. So this is something what we, the ummah is suffering till today, that we judge the deen by the socioeconomic status of the people who are following it. And then we deprive ourselves from, from benefiting from that. فَكَذَّبُوهُمَا فَكَانُوا مِنَ الْمُهْلَكِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they belied them, they, thus they rejected both of them, فَكَانُوا مِنَ الْمُهْلَكِينَ And they were amongst the ones who were destroyed. وَلَقَدْ أَتِينَ مُوسَ الْكِتَابَ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَحْتَدُونَ And of course we gave Musa alayhi salam the book, so that, they may, so that they may take the right path. And we made the son of Maryam and his mother a sign. And we gave them shelter. means to give shelter. We gave them shelter to both of them. Rabwa means uh, some place that's high. Have you heard of a place, Rabwa? Pakistani brothers? Rabwa? You heard of any place called Rabwa? Yeah, exactly. Right? Mirza Ghulam Ahmad Qadiani's Markas, right, in Pakistan. So that, that place they call that Rabwa as well. Because they regard him to be Isa. First they said he's Isa who came back. 
And then they, first they said he's Mahdi, then they said he's Isa, then they say he's a Nabi. So that's why they call that Rabwa. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, we gave them shelter on a height. And where is that? Where is that? It could be in Damascus, or it could be um, where Nuh salam's ark parked, right over there. And the place where Isa salam and his mother took shelter was a place where they had a place to rest and of running springs. So that's where they uh, lived off. So now, Maryam salam's um, uh, uh, birth has been called as a mu'ajiza, has been a miracle. And this is something really important. We, can, and, uh, uh, we will stop at this ayah here. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has you know, created four, four mu'ajizat amongst in childbirth, right? Four, four uh, miracles. One is a child is born without a father or mother, like Adam alayhi salam. Or a child is born um, without a father, just with a mother, like the story, uh, like the uh, Isa alayhi salam. Or just with a father, without a mother, like Sayyidina Hawa radiallahu anha. Or an instance where husband and wife are old and they, they are... They are uh, uh, barren, the mother's barren, wife is barren, like in the story of Yahya Maryam So this is m- miraculous. <clears throat> so what do we learn from these things? Is that asbab and means that we see happening. It, the, you see, you drink water and now you don't feel thirsty anymore, right? What is this connection? This connection between drinking water and not feeling thirsty. Be, uh, getting married and having children, uh, getting money, uh, per- be, 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 earning money, and then being able to purchase things, etc., etc. This connection is simply a connection of a means coming around the same time as a result. This is not causation, this is simply correlation. It's not causing it. It correlates with it, it's found at the same time. SubhanAllah, this is really beautiful, as ulama written about it. In the, in, the, it's actually in, in, the, in the topic of Tawheed, a person needs to realize that when I drink water, it correlates with my thirst being quenched. But this is not causing it to quench my thirst. It is Allah's command that's causing it. SubhanAllah. Hence, if I drink and Allah doesn't wish for it to quench my thirst, 10 bottles of water will not quench my thirst. And if Allah wishes, I will not have anything to drink and I will still be able to live. Zamzam, you know what Zamzam, what did Nabi Sallallahu say about Zamzam? Ma'u Zamzam alima shuriba lahu. The water of Zamzam is for that which has been drunk from. There's a whole, there are many books written on the fadail of Zamzam. Famous book, Sa'id Baghdash. He has a book on the fadail of Zamzam in Arabic. I've read through stories in there. And then my own experiences. And then those who've joined me in Umrah and Hajj or have, I've traveled with in Umrah and Hajj, their own stories. They're in Mataf. And it's Maghrib Adhan happening, and then Ya Allah, I gotta go to the bathroom really bad. Now, if I have to go to the bathroom, of course, I have a chance to pray in the, in the Mataf, Maghrib Salah, Isha Salah. And now, if I go, by t- I'm gonna even miss my, my, I'm not gonna even get Salam. So, what happens when, you're, when you have to go to the bathroom really bad? What should you do? Allahu Akbar, these brothers, they drink Zamzam. What's Zamzam gonna make you happen? Mums is gonna make you have to go to the bathroom quicker. But say, Ya Allah, I'm here in the haram. And ma'u zamzam li ma'shuribalahu. Your Prophet said, the water of zamzam is for that which he drinks for. I'm drinking water of zamzam. But Ya Allah, you please remove from me the need of having to go to the restroom. And I have experiences with people with me traveling again and again and again. Miracles. What is that? 
This what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose now, right now, that the effect of having increasing your need to go to the bathroom is gonna be removed. Even though you're drinking water. A person has to has not hasn't eaten anything. You drink zamzam, you make niya, Allah, allow this to become a means of my nourishment. And the list goes on. So my point is we have to understand here that Isa salam's birth is like a miracle. But what do we need to learn from there? That every single action of ours, nothing is happening because of what we're doing. It's happening because Allah's will. Mom and dad together is not what happens, brings children about. It's Allah's amr. Whether both are present, one is present, none are present. It's Allah's amr that does it. And so this miraculous way of doing things is not with only childbirth. It's with every single moment of every single person's life, every single action. That's where the tawheed comes in. Mufti Radha in this past suffer of mine, he was saying, people say tawheed asane. And I agree, I think by tawheed, you know tawheed, you know tawheed, you know what shit? You're gonna say, oh yes, come on man, tell or teach us something new. We know what tawheed means, and we know the opposite of tawheed is shirk. He said, if tawheed was so simple, why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expound upon this the most in the Quran? Because then you literally would say, okay, done with this one, flip through these pages, done, 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 done. The whole masjid is gonna say that. So where is the kalam of Allah? Where is the power of the kalam of Allah? We're not done. No, we haven't even understood Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim's bayat. So we shouldn't think that Tawheed is that simple. Tawheed is something, if our whole life we work on it, we pray before we die, we'll understand. And did you, repeating what I just said, that no action will lead to a reaction unless and until it is with the amr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Regardless of what science says, Regardless of what our five senses tell us, regardless of what history tells us, it is only and solely Allah's command that will make things happen. So Allah can give you honor through the means of disgrace. And Allah can disgrace you through the means of honor. Allah can make you wealthy from the means of poverty. And Allah can, subhanahu can make you poor through the means of wealth. Allah can give you health through the means of sickness. And Allah can make you sick through the means of health. And the list goes on. Until we don't actually believe in what I'm saying, we're not true muwahideen. We're not people of true tawheed. Every day we get tested. How? A person has halal income, haram income. Halal income is 50,000, haram is 100. Which one are you going to choose? A person has halal food, haram food. One's cheaper. The halal loan is much more expensive than the haram loan. Haram meat is much cheaper than halal meat. And the list goes on. So what are you going to choose? In all of these instances, and that's what it is. It's to say, no, there will be no barakah in haram money, no barakah in haram food, no barakah in haram loan, no barakah in haram home. None of this stuff will happen. Even though it seems like benefit is coming from there, it's nothing but harm. Until and unless that yaqeen is not complete, our tawheed is not complete. And so this is not an easy thing. This is a lifelong journey. And one beautiful way to do that is to speak about the greatness of Allah at home. Speak about La ilaha illallah. Constantly work on our yaqeen. Sit in gatherings like we go out in the path of Allah Azza wa Jal. You know with students or ourselves, we sit sometimes, and we, we, when we go out in Jamaat, that's one of the things I love to do. Sit in a group, and we do this in Artikaf here as well. Sit in a group and speak about the greatness of Allah. And deny that anything besides Allah can do anything. Deny it. Water cannot do anything without the permission of Allah. Medicine cannot do anything without the permission of Allah. A knife cannot cut without the permission of Allah. Right? Fire cannot burn without the permission of Allah. That's what the stories of the prophets are. Keep on repeating it, keep on repeating it, because whatever you say, it will, after eventually we will start believing in it. But we have 
unfortunately for the past 50, 60, 40 years have said everything but everything besides Allah does. Makhluk does. Makhluk harms. Makhluk benefits. Makhluk gives us honor. Makhluk disgraces us. That's all we've been saying. So we've, we've learned it so well, it's ingrained in our minds. Now to remove that gunk from our hearts and our minds and to put in Allah does and only Allah does, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a lot of time. That's why we do the dhikr of La ilaha illallah. That's what you're supposed to be thinking. La ilaha. Take, that's your dagger. That's your knife. That's your shovel. That's your pickaxe. And you're removing all the wrong yaqeen out of your heart. You're scraping it off. La ilaha. Nothing can harm me. Nothing can benefit me. Nothing can give me sustenance. Nothing can give me. Nothing can push me forward in life. Illallah. And that's when you put on that beautiful paint of tahliyah. You, be- you beautify your heart with illallah, with the love of Allah, with the yaqeen that Allah does. So with our dhikr of la ilaha illallah, dhikr of la ilaha illallah, similarly speaking about la ilaha illallah, similarly pondering about la ilaha illallah, these are ways inshallah tabarak wa ta'ala that one day we hope that we'll have tawheed in a manner that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to have. We ask Allah azza wa jalla to bring that day sooner than later. Ameen ya rabbil alameen. Inshallah this is, uh, if anyone would like to ask questions, I request everyone to stay till the dua possible so that we don't break the majlis here 4269800 is the code for slido.com if anyone has any relevant questions that you would like to ask um, inshallah if you have any specific questions for your specific scenario detailed questions please utilize our darul ifta which is masjidds.org uh, forward slash question right um, masjidds.org question and you can use that and if you have a simple or simpler question that we can benefit from, you can use that. Additionally, if you do not get the tafsir reminders, you're joining here f- uh, first time, then please take a picture of this QR code and to join our weekly reminders. Okay, how to get barakah in, in, in wealth? The barakah and wealth is by earning from halal, number one. Any haram wealth doesn't give you barakah. Number two, uh, spending it in sadaqah. That gives you a lot of barakah. Whatever money you give to invest with people, okay, in riba, in interest. It will never increase. And whatever money you give to purify your wealth, those are the ones who are actually investing and multiplying their wealth. MashaAllah. Fake humility versus real humility. Yes. Uh, you, you, have to ask, you have to ask Allah protection from fake humility. If you're acting, if, what does it mean? If you say, I'm, I'm just your humble, small student, Abdul Faqir, Haqir, Naqir, and someone then says, okay, babe, hey, you know, what do you think I am? So that's fake then. Why did you say that? Why did you say I'm nobody? When we, he called you nobody, then you got upset. <laughs> then you should have never said I'm nobody. Right? If you don't mean it, why say it? That's the thing, fake humility. When we like to say all these names, about, about ourselves that I'm, I'm nothing and then when someone actually decides to mashallah t- treat us the way we've said we are then we get angry how do I know if I have arrogance in a specific subject what can I do to humble myself um, if, you, if you regard others to be lower than you inherently lower than you weaker than you not that if you got 100 in your math and someone else got 90 naturally obviously you're more gifted on that specific set of questions that, that's not arrogance but to think that somehow getting 10 points more than another person makes you a better person, makes you more successful, makes you closer to Allah, makes you more valuable. That's what arrogance comes in. 
So the best way to humble ourselves is to always remember our mistakes, our sins, our shortcomings that no one besides Allah and our angels know. How many times can a person do tahleel without ijazah? I mean, this is at least a few hundred times is not a problem. That's, that is, the, the, the virtues of that are already mentioned in hadith regarding hundred times. So if a person were to do hundred times morning and evening, you don't need any specific ijazah from a shaykh for that. Is there a barakah in purchasing a house through Islamic financing? So ideally, a person should uh, try to, uh, you know, uh, figure out a way to get, uh, uh, you know, absolutely no, uh, no uh, financing. How does that happen? SubhanAllah, can you imagine yesterday I was approached by a brother from the you know, community. I was, just, I was just surprised, man, shocked. He said, uh, myself and a friend of mine, we, we would like to start, we're starting an organization. I said, okay, what is this? Everyone wants to go with the organization. What's your organization going to do? He said, going to pool in money to help people buy houses. I said, oh, so, mashallah, you're taking care of like, it's like an Islamic bank, murabaha model, musharaka model, what you're doing? He said, no, 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 murabaha musharaka. I said, what is this then? He says, we're just going to, we're going to have someone put a down payment and we're three of us are going to help pay the rest. And after that, this person will just pay us after, you know, in over five years. I said, okay, so with the profit. He said, no profit. I said, wait, where's the catch? He said, there's no catch. I said, no, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. He said, no, there is nothing. This is exactly, we want to help people get off of interest. And you know, we want to create a model and create a, a habit within the community of giving qarda hasana. Right? To give good loans, loans without interest. And I, I was just amazed that there are such people, mashallah, sitting within us. Alhamdulillah, may Allah increase them in their, in their good deeds. And may Allah increase more people, create more people like this. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow this project of His and those who he's working with, allow it to come to fruition soon. He was, you know, when you, when you are sincere and you're not looking to make money off of it, then you'll see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help, inshallah, definitely will come. So barakah, inshallah, will definitely come with something that is, you know, not, not a conventional loan. Now someone will say Islamic loan, conventional loan, they're similar. Yes, they may be similar, but so is nikah and the opposite, zina as well. It's just one has got a quick 30 second ijab in qubul and the other one doesn't. You know? So sometimes these small, uh, differences make everything. Yes, any proof for group dhikr? Definitely. There is a, a whole book on this dedicated. MashaAllah, we have some books available for sale today in the lobby as well as Ramadan books, books for Ramadan. Plus there is a winter closeout sale on all the winter gear. The, uh, what you call, uh, Dar es Salaam um, uh, hoodies and stuff like that. So please stop by and purchase those. Um, so there is a book, inshallah, you can go get it, get it from the bookstore, specifically on the whole concept of, of group vicar and the permissibility of it. And the fact that this is something, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa in many different forms, and he has allowed uh, for people to do dhikr individually, collectively, uh, uh, you know, sometimes he would make uh, uh, what you call uh, uh, people would do out loud, people would do quietly. There's a lot of variety in there. Yes, did everyone sit together and say La ilaha illallah like this out loud? No, no one's saying that. But there's specific, uh, there's no specific restriction of what you can and what you cannot do. If a person specifically thinks this, this method is sunnah, like right now, there was their PowerPoints during the time of Rasulullah, of course not, right? 
<laughs> was this, this type of sitting here? Was there chai being served? Uh, uh, mashallah, nice dude chai after tafsir? Of course not. So these are things that a person doesn't regard doing it as sunnah. It's just to facilitate it. So when we do dhikr collectively, it's simply to facilitate it because most of us don't do dhikr. So it's just to get, our, uh, get us started. And then we can do dhikr continuously at home, uh, out loud or quietly as you wish. How do you know you're getting barakah versus Allah just giving you the dunya? Very good question. And the next verses are exactly about it. So please make sure you show up next week. And this is what we're speaking about. It's a very powerful, I love this topic. I didn't get into it because I know I want to speak, speak extensively on it, inshallah. And that is the whole topic of istidraj. That's what it is. It's, the next verses are about that, about people who have been given wealth. It's straight up from the Quran. And Allah says, don't think I'm being kind to you just because you have money. This is not, I'm not being kind to you. I am actually, this is a noose on your neck. This is like the cheese for the mouse in the, in, the, in, the rat, in the rat trap. That's what it is. So the whole details of that, next week, inshallah, you'll get. The prophets always got the ease after their hardship. What about us? I've been making dua for so long, but I don't know if my problem will get solved. So, yani, this is misunderstanding of the prophets. The prophets till the last, they were not, yani, subhanAllah, till the last day, the prophets did not have bread and, and meat and they're eating the same day. Forget about stuff stored up in the fridge and the freezer. The Prophet never ate to his stomach full till the last day. There was never, I mean, the Prophet passed away with his armor and sword left as collateral in the hand of a Jew. Because he didn't have any money to buy food. So he gave his armor to a Yahudi. And borrowed from him. And the ulama say, why did he give to why did he give his collateral to a Jew and borrow? Ajib. He said, because he didn't want his needs to be known to the Ummah. And one situation narration says, because he didn't want to borrow from a Muslim from the Ummati, because he'll say, Ya Rasulullah, how can I borrow lend it to you? This is yours. So that's why he chose to do a dealing with a Yahudi, subhanAllah. So who said the Nabi Sallallahu had it easy at the end? That's one thing we should understand. Number two is that. Uh, we should not get. We should not lose hope. You are making du'a for one situation, whatever your situation you're talking about. But at least you were able to use the restroom before you came here. Ask someone who can go you, pass urine for one day. Ask him. Whatever I promise you, whatever you make in du'a for, he'll say, brother, that's nothing. What the pain I'm going through for not being able to pass urine for one day. That's it. So whatever your issue is, you have to understand that sometimes we make our own personal issue bigger than it actually is. Because we're not looking at what are the other million things that could have gone wrong in our, in our life that have not gone wrong. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us afiyah. Allah could have broken our legs, broken our bones. How long does it take for a car accident to happen? How long does it take to have 70 bones or 50 bones or 30 bones broken in a, in a horrible near fatal accident? And for the rest of your life you're crippled. How is that? How hard? It takes 10 seconds, 5 seconds, 3 seconds for that to happen. So it, is, it hasn't happened to me, alhamdulillah. I pray it doesn't happen to you and I for the rest of our life. So when you think about these things, then you realize Allah is continuously still giving me a very easy life. That specific situation that I'm praying for, maybe if Allah gave me what I wanted, I would not have been crying the way I am. I wouldn't have gotten up for suhoor today. I wouldn't have prayed two extra rakat after maghrib. I wouldn't have given sadaqah. The reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because Allah is testing me. And so in reality, this test is actually a huge blessing. And there's a beautiful saying in Arabic. They say, Al-mihnatu minhatun khafiyya. A test is a hidden gift. A test is a hidden gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What if you eat haram? A person, if he accidentally eats haram, 
then you should immediately repent and, and, and that's it. You ask Allah to protect you from that. And if a person has the taqwa to vomit it out, then that's great as well. Is feeling happy when people praise what you have been blessed with, how can one prevent that praise from leading to arrogance? Feeling happy when people praise you for your wealth and children is not arrogance. That is shukr you're doing to Allah. When someone says, I feel so happy for you, or man, you're so lucky, you should feel so happy, Ya Allah. Thank you, Ya Allah. Thank you. Alhamdulillah. You should feel happy. You should not feel guilty about it. You should feel happy that Allah gave you what you have without you and I ever desire, deserving what we have. What to read if you have anxiety? La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah is one thing we should read excessively. Mm, additionally, uh, we should read, um, you know, uh, uh, make a habit of, you know, just reciting as much as Quran as possible. Surah Al Baqarah would be good. Mu'awwadatain, qul adul falak, qul adul nas, as much as possible. Maybe a hundred times each, depending on what you're going through. But these are all things that are helpful for anxiety. How to implement humility within family, especially children? You know, many people just don't realize what is arrogance. They just don't because, as I told you, this is the type of disease that doesn't allow you to recognize it, to allow you to feel it. So you have to, if your children would nicely yourself, say this type of statement is not appropriate. This type of statement gives off the stench of arrogance. Not that you're arrogant, but the statement gives the stench of arrogance. And we need to avoid that. So but simply by pointing things out to people, inshallah, hopefully they will understand. The definition of arrogance from hadith was Al-Kibru Batrul Haqqi wa Ghamtul Nas. Batrul Haqq, to deny the truth and to look down upon people. Sometimes it gets scary dreams. How do you know if it's a dream that'll be true? It depends. There are certain dreams that you just see because you're thinking about that all the time. Or it's a dream a good dream from Allah Azza wa Jal, or a scary dream that is meant to simply intimidate you. Say you're seeing snakes, dogs, stuff chasing after you. So these things are usually from shaitan. Best way to do that is not to think too much about it and give sadaqah. Say, when you wake up, say, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem three times. And Allahumma inni a'udhu bin shari'hada, O Allah, seek refuge in you from the evil of this. And it comes in hadith to lightly, lightly spit without saliva. Lightly spit without saliva on your left hand side. Like that. And uh, don't share with people. Do not share with people those dreams. And, and give sadaqah. I come across things where it says, recite so-and-so surah X number of times for this, this to happen. If given an amount to recite certain things, is this legit? These things of reciting so many things, this is usually through tajraba, through experience of scholars and of awliya. Usually, and there are a few things that are come in hadith as well. But a lot of this, specific, like Nabi Sallallahu would morning and evening du'as. There are certain du'as he would recite three times. So yes, adad, uh, subhanAllah 33, Allah, alhamdulillah 33, etc. Those are all part of the sunnah. Besides that, there are a lot of things that are shared from the experience of salaf, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. I've had dreams with the Prophet Sallallahu How do we know if it's actually him? Nabi Sallallahu has said, Man ra'ani fil manami faqadra'ani, who has ever seen me in dream has indeed seen me. So usually this is the case. However, sometimes a person sees Rasulullah in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that you know it's not him, but you know it's him. Meaning, you, in your heart, in the dream, you know it's him, but for example, he doesn't have a beard. Or he's wearing clothing that you know he would not wear. So then that is a reflection of one's own condition. And there's something you should sit with a scholar who is a experienced of interpretation of dreams to ask him, what does that specifically mean? 
How do we focus on prayer? I have too many thoughts. Waswasa comes in, of course, during salah. That's why we should recite A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem. First of all, do proper wudu. Slow, nice, good wudu. Then praying the sunnah before salah. And if there's no sunnah mu'akkadah, then sunnah ghayr mu'akkadah, like asr, praying four rakah before that. Before isha, any two rakah. And build it up to isha, or build it up to asr. And then in that salah, whenever a waswasa comes in, to contradict uh, your, uh, your, what you call, your mind is being led here and there, at least once in every posture, force yourself to come back to where you're at. So you, your mind diverts, you find yourself, you're behind the imam, you're like, my God, I don't know where to end up. Okay, bring yourself... Force yourself to come back to I, I'm in Qiyam now, I'm in Ruku, I'm in Sajda. So in every posture, force yourself once to come back to the position you're in. Do we have to turn on lights at Maghrib time or is this made up? Uh, it's not made up that if you don't see the lights, you could trip and fall, you know? So that's probably what it is. But <laughs> there's no specific uh, yeah, any virtue of that besides just making sure that you know where you're walking. How, how should a believer receive praise with adab? Someone praises you, you should say uh, this beautiful dua of Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu. Allahumma, uh, Allahumma ja'alni khayram mimma yadunnoon. Oh Allah, make me better than what they think of me. Allahumma ja'alni khayram mimma yadunnoon. Waghfir li ma la ya'lamoon. And forgive me for those things I'm involved in that they do not know about. Forgive me for those things that I'm involved in that I don't know about. And do not hold me accountable for what they're saying. That on the day of judgment, you're being asked, Acha, this is what people said about you. Are you like this? Are you like this? Are you like this? So do not hold me accountable for what people have said. You got those three things? Allah, make me better than what people think of me. And what was the second thing? Then do, yeah, do, forgive me for what they do not know of. And lastly, do not hold me accountable of what they're saying. Subhanallah, subhanallah, Let's do a few minutes of dhikr and dua and then enjoy your chai and on the way out. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم 
صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه اللهم انت السلام وانك السلام وتبارك يا ذا الجلال والاكرام اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نعصي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا حي يا قيوم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اصلح لنا شاننا كله لا تكلنا الى انفسنا ترفت عين اللهم يا حنان يا منان يا بديع السماوات والارض يا ذا الجلال والاكرام والعزه التي لا ترام لا اله الا هو الحليم الكريم سبحان الله رب العرش العظيم والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم انا نسالك موجبات رحمتك وعزائم مغفرتك والغنيمه من كل بر والسلامه من كل اثم اللهم لا تدع لنا في مقامنا هذا ذنبا الا غفرته ولا هما الا فرجته ولا مريضا الا شفيته ولا دينا الا قضيته ولا ضالا الا هديته ولا سائلا الا اعطيته ولا حاجه من حوائج الدنيا والاخره هي لك رضا ولنا فيها صلاح الا اعنتنا ويسرتها لنا يا ارحم الراحمين اللهم يا حي يا قيوم إننا نسألك التقوى والتقى والعفاف والغنى اللهم إنك عفو كريم تحب العفو فاعف عنا اللهم إننا نعوذ برضاك من صختك ونعوذ بمعافاتك من عقوبتك ونعوذ بك منك لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك اللهم جنبنا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن اللهم نور قلوبنا اللهم نور قلوبنا اللهم نور قلوبنا اللهم اشرح صدورنا اللهم نسألك لسانا ذاكرا وقلبا خاشعا وعينا دامعا ونفسا مطمئنة بك وبلقائك 
اللهم اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين وارحم موتانا وموت المسلمين وانصر المستضعفين من المسلمين في كل مكان اللهم اشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين اللهم اغفر لحينا وميتنا وشاهدنا وغائبنا وصغيرنا وكبيرنا وذكرنا وانثانا اللهم من احييت منا فاحيي على الاسلام ومن توفيت منا فتوفوا على الايمان اللهم انا نعوذ بك من ابليس وجنودي اللهم انا نعوذ بك من ابليس وجنودي اللهم انا نعوذ بك من ابليس وجنودي اللهم يا حي قيوم انا نعوذ بك من شر انفسنا اللهم انا نعوذ بك من شر انفسنا اللهم انا نعوذ من شر انفسنا رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرا رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرا رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرا لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل على الله توكلنا وقرب رب اني اني مسني الضر وانت ارحم الراحمين ربي اني مسني الضر وانت ارحم الراحمين ربي اني مسني الضر وانت ارحم الراحمين وقل ربي اعوذ بك من همزات الشياطين واعوذ بك ربي ان يحضرون او الله يسر اكسبت ذس جاذرينج او الله فروم ذا بيجينينج اند ذا until the end anyone and any, everyone who participated for whatever amount online or on site or who will participate later on ya allah we ask you to grant everyone ya allah maghfirah we ask you to grant everyone maghfirah we ask every we ask you to grant every one of us a true repentance a accepted repentance oh allah grant us the ability to repent from all our major and minor sins those that we did knowingly those that we did unknowingly those that we did once those that we have done many times those that we have done intentionally those that we have done unintentionally ya allah those that we have done collectively those that we have done individually ya allah we ask you to grant us the hatred for sin grant us dislike for sin and oh allah keep us far away from the sin close all the doors of sin even if our hands attempt to reach the sin oh allah allow our hands not to reach it allow our feet not to walk towards it allow our minds not to process it ya allah oh allah we ask you to purify our eyes purify our ears purify our tongues purify our minds purify our hands and feet O oh Allah purify our hearts and minds. O oh Allah grant us clean thoughts, grant us clean thoughts. O oh Allah purify our wealth, purify our wealth, purify our relationships. Ya Allah protect us from any and all type of haram. O oh Allah all those who are of marriageable age make it easy for them to find the very best of spouses. O oh Allah ya Allah bless them with amazing, righteous, pious, loving, caring spouses. O oh Allah who will make their stay in this dunya also jannah and who help them prepare for the life of jannah. O oh Allah those who are married grant muhabba and love between husbands and wives. O oh Allah remove all the efforts of shaitan to create infighting between the spouses oh allah destroy the evil effects of shaitan and nafs ya allah to make spouses fight with one another oh allah put mahabba between parents and the children uh, grant respect uh, grant them respect and love for one another oh allah we ask you to grant us the akhlaq of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam grant us the ya allah the qualities that are meant to, that we are meant to embody ya allah the qualities of the sahaba oh allah grant us the ability to 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 have firm yaqeen and conviction allow us to have firm tawakkul oh allah allow us to have absolutely a great level of humility and humbleness oh allah save us from any and all forms of evil diseases of the heart including arrogance and jealousy oh allah whoever has any type of request any type of dif- difficulty spiritual emotional financial mental issues that they're dealing with oh allah relationship issues that they're dealing with we ask you through the blessing of this gathering that rem- you remove their issues oh allah give them respite give them give them ya allah give them allow them ya allah to see the light at the end of the tunnel allow them to see ease ya allah after they have gone through discomfort oh allah we ask you to keep our hearts united allow the ummah to stay united allow us to remain firm in the face of evil allow haq and the truth to be victorious ya allah all of protect this masjid and all of our masajid protect this madrasa and all other madaris protect the all dini institutions protect the khanqas the zawiyat all of the efforts of da'wah and tabligh in any good form of dini effort that is taking place throughout the globe all we ask you to grant them all protection from internal and external strife and fights internal and external fitnas ya allah oh allah we ask you ya allah to grant hifada and protection and shifa 
shifa to all of our musallis, to all of our volunteers, to all of our staff members, to all of our students, O oh Allah, and to their extended families, Ya Allah, and all to all to our to all of our patrons and well wishers, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, we ask you to allow us to prepare in these last two weeks that we have before Ramadan. Allow us to increase the amount of Quran we are citing. Allow us to increase the amount of times we visit the masjid per week. And allow us, Ya Allah, to be fully ready and prepared to welcome this blessed month of Ramadan. Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Izzati Amma Yasifoon. Wassalamun Al Mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ameen. Inshallah, the i'tikaf we'll be having in the last 10 days of Ramadan. So the youth here, young adults, I request you to please start speaking to your employers and work and try to see if you can get off to join us for the last 10 days, inshallah. And additionally, you can get some books, as I had mentioned, from outside uh, for regarding Ramadan, inshallah. Sakallah khairan.